to see. And uh, then we're going to go right into the message. Father, how we thank you and praise you, Lord, for your loving kindness unto us. And how we thank you, O oh God, that we can sing your praises, that we can rejoice in thee. And that, Lord, you bring each and every one of us, O oh God, to a place that, Lord, we have to really realize that you're real in our lives. Lord, you bring us to a point of brokenness, whether it be through circumstances of finances, whether it be through circumstances of just sin in our life, whether it be through sickness or whatever it is, Lord, you bring us to a place where, Lord, all we can do is call upon you. And, Lord, we're so thankful that you magnify yourself. You manifest yourself and you allow us to know how real you are. You are the one that we depend on. It's not the government. It's not the support of this thing or that thing. But Lord, you are our support. You are the one who provides for us. You're the one who meet our every need. You are our strength. You are the joy of our strength. You are the breath that we take. And Lord, our hearts beateth after thee as the deer runneth after the water. And Lord, we desire you more than anything else. And for some of us, Lord, we're in that process of growing that way. That, Lord, that our desire is not for some man, not for some girl, not for some thing, but, Lord, for you and you alone. We're learning that, Lord. We're processing that. That, Lord, it is thee and thee alone that we have need of. For you are our all-sufficient God, and our cry is unto thee. For in the midnight hour, in our time of loneliness, in our time where everyone else has forsaken us, we remember what Paul says, that you have not forsaken him, and Lord, you have not forsaken us. For Lord, you are all that we have need of, and Lord, we thank you. Help us to reflect today. Help us to remember all that you have provided, all that you have done that we might be a people of gratitude. We might be a people of thanksgiving. We might be a people who really do see that you are worthy of our praise and our adoration. Lord, may you be lifted high in our lives. May we glorify you and honor you. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. As we look at this little skit, I want you to think about just being thankful. Just being thankful. And who may have helped you along the way? So they cut the chain off. <coughs> but they can't make us clap. We've decided we're going to finish what you started, sir. Yeah, so leave us be, coach. We got to do, sir. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. 
we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same as we are liberated from our own fear. Our presence automatically liberates others. Sir, I just want to say thank you. You saved my life. to say thank you and to confirm on others in the words of thank you that you were a messenger of God but to thank them for allowing you to even deliver the message and for them to receive the message we are the people of God and we are called to be that in these days in which we live. And we are here to show forth his glory and his praise and to allow others to know that there is a God in the land in whom people worship and praise and give thanks to. We give thanks to God. What is in a song? And oftentimes we forget what's in a song. But a song is an antidote to the burden of the heart. It uplifts the heart. It is the laboring of the soul and the broken of the spirit. It is a song of redemption that is superior to all. That we sing those songs of redemption in a strange land. It is the song of a song. It is the sweetest song on the lips of a man that cannot sing nothing else but of the redemption of the Lord Jesus Christ. That we sing unto him his praises of thanks. For what is in a song? A song is the music of the soul. It is the cry of the heart. It is the harmony of the Holy Spirit that works in the life that cannot die. It is a message from God. Thanksgiving, many of you may have heard or may have read, coincides with the first day of Hanukkah today. For the first time since 1888. And it's predicted that it will not happen again for another 78 to 80,000 years. Hanukkah is the Jewish holiday or festival in which lights are celebrated. It celebrates the defeat of the, of the uh, Greeks and Romans with the Maccabeans. It is that time in which also a miracle took place that is celebrated. And that's why the Mahara is, is lit for eight days. That one day of oil supply lasted for eight days. One day of oil supply somehow lasted and burned 
for eight days in the temple. It is a time of thanksgiving. It is a time in which we praise God. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Psalms 137. This is going to be the basis of our message this morning. It is to remember, to remember our God. And oftentimes we forget him until the crisis hits. Verses one through six. By the river of Babylon we sat and wept. When we remembered Zion, there on the poplars we hung our harps. For there our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, sing, sing us one of the songs of Zion. How can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, may my right hand forget its skill. May my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth if I do not remember you. If I do not consider Jerusalem my highest joy. Some have written and said that this is written by one while in captivity. And they're longing to be in the temple of the Lord, singing his praises and worshiping him. For the songs of the Lord for the Jewish, some would say, could not be sung outside of the temple, outside of the place of worship. It had to be sung either in the temple or in the home, in the privacy of worship. But they're in a strange land. And their captors are saying, sing us a song. Sing us the songs of worship. Sing us the songs that you would sing before your Lord. And these were not songs that they would sing publicly because they were considered to be sacred. They were not songs to be joshed about or joked about, but they were sacred for the Jews. But what the Jewish people forgot was this. It was their way of witnessing to God. To witnessing to a dying world. To witnessing to their captors. To witness to those who would torment them. And to understand that they were just journeying through a land that they were to witness. And they say, sing a song. Sing a song. Sing a song. Let's go back to verse 1. He says, by the rivers of Babylon we sat and we wept. What caused the weeping to take place? Why would we weep? Why would we sit alongside of our bed and weep? Why would we have sorrows in our lives? Why would we have dark moments in our lives? Why do we feel some time alone? Why do we feel the guilt and the shame? Why is it that we weep at times? Because we have forgotten the God who has been so good unto us. And whenever we find ourselves weeping alongside our bed of Euphrates or the Babylonian river or wherever we might be, it's because we have forgotten our God. Amen. 
We have forgotten what he has done for us. We've forgotten how good he's been to us. And we've forgotten to even say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. For it is the thank yous that brings about the salvation. It is the thank you that brings about deliverance. It's the thank you that brings about the hope. It is the thank you that gives you a new future. It is the thank you that brightens your life. When you begin to say thank you. And he said that they sat there and they wept. Why would they weep? Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6 with me. Well, this happens in our lives even. The Lord is so good to us. He brings us out of the wilderness. He teaches us and he prospers us. And he gives us more than what we could ever expect. He gives us more. But somehow we begin to take it for granted. Like I mentioned about James and his well. Boy, James boy for 20-some years lived out there in Copley. Just turned on the water. He expected to flow. But one day, no water. And the well went dry. When we don't thank the Lord and we don't appreciate him, you can count on it. You can be assured of it. One day your well's going to run dry. He says, starting in verse 10 of chapter uh, 6, When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large flourishing cities. You did not build. The home you live in, you didn't build. The car you ride in, you didn't build. Yes, you may be paying, but you didn't build. God gives you the health to go to work and to provide. God gives you the money and somehow even lets it be a jurisdiction that you do with this whatever you want to do. And the whole issue is, are you being a good steward? It is God who provides. Oftentimes it's us that waste. We're the one who digs our own hole oftentimes. And as we dig our hole and we hit bottom, we cry out to God. But we need to understand we never have to be in a hole if we just learn to be obedient unto him and allow him to know that we appreciate everything that he does on our behalf. We never have to be there. He goes on he says, a land with large flourishing cities you did not build. Houses filled with all kind of good things you did not provide. Wells you did not dig and vineyards and olive gardens you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied. And this becomes part of our problems. We become a people who are quickly satisfied. And when we're satisfied, we're like the child. All we want to do is play and sleep. Play and sleep. We're satisfied. We got everything we want. And all we want to do is play in this world. We're not about our father's business oftentimes. We just want to play and sleep. Look what he says. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful. Be careful. 
Be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And now they're back in slavery. They're back in captivity. And they have forgotten the Lord who gave them cities, who gave them house, who gave them prosperity, who gave them all that they had need of. And they find themselves at the rivers of Babylon weeping. All because they have forgotten their God. Did you see America in that picture? A country, a nation that is forgetting God. A country that at one time did not exist. But God brought it into existence. And God built a mighty nation. And God did a fantastic work. And you hear the story of Israel. A people who were once not a nation. But grew from a family into a nation and into a powerful nation with the goal of being the voice of the living God, being the ones who would be a witness to the heathens and the other nations around them who knew not God. And like America raised up to be a light, to be a witness to the world, and much of the world even considered America as a Christian nation. It's a title that we've been living on far too long that may not be real today. But yet, are we a people who have forgotten our God? Are we a people who no longer appreciate what God has done? Are we a people who have forgotten his mercy, his grace, his forgiveness, his provision, and where he has brought us from? Are we a people who no longer need a living God? Are we a people who no longer need a living God? I can go to my next page and maybe I will not be able to go. But we oftentimes forget who our God really is. And when we do, we suffer for it. And Lord, you might be doing exactly what you desire to do. Yep. So let me just take you there and end this part. If you'll look with me in Psalms 917, it says, the wicked return to the grave and all the nations forget God. All the nations forget God. The wicked Turn to the grave. But I want you to put in your mind, forget God. And then in Psalms 50, 22, 23, consider this, you who forgot God, or I will tear you to pieces with none to rescue. He who sacrificed thanks offerings honors me, and he prepares the way that I may show him the salvation of God. Put that together. When I thank him, God said, I put together a path for you that I can rescue you, that I can deliver you when you're in a heart of gratitude and thanksgiving. And then at last he says, blessed is the nation whose God 
It's the people. Now, in Deuteronomy 6, 10, 12, we read what God provided. Remember, they're sitting by the banks of the rivers of Babylon, weeping. And the captors come and they say unto them, Sing us a song. Sing us a song. Sing us a song. As Vic said, he has a new song. And Israel is to sing a new song. But they hang their musical instruments on the poplar trees in order to say, in a sense, no, we will not sing. We will not sing. Not understanding that even while in captivity, they are to be a witness. While they're journeying on their way out of captivity, they are to be a witness. While we're journeying on our way home to heaven, we are to be a witness to a dying world. And we sing a song of praise, of thanksgiving and gratitude to a God that we we know that those who are out there may not know. We sing a song, a new song, because it's a song that God has put in our hearts. It's a song that God has put on our lips of redemption and of his praise and of his wonders. It is a song that lifts him up and glorifies him. It is a song that we praise. Go with me to Psalm 105. Then I want you to look at 106 with me and 107, just for a moment, just the first couple of verses. <clears throat> Go to Psalm 105. He says, give thanks to the Lord. Call on his name. Give thanks, call, give thanks, call, give thanks, call. Give thanks unto him that is able to help you. Give thanks unto him that is able to take your storms of life and common. Give thanks to him that is able to heal you. Give thanks to him that can wipe away the tears. Give thanks to him that can take care of your finances. Give thanks to him that can heal your marriage. Give thanks to him that can heal the relationship between you and your children. Give thanks to him. Call upon his name. Call upon his name and give thanks to him for he's worthy. For he's worthy. And it says, give thanks to him. But when you don't appreciate him, when you don't adore him, you don't thank him. Oh, in the mind, you know him as God. But in the heart, he's far from you. And that needs to be corrected. He is not a fireman just to be called upon to put your fires out in life. He's not your banker just to... You call him up when you need a little extra change. He's not the doctor that only when you're sick that you call upon him. But you call upon his name every morning, every day, every moment of the day. You're giving him thanks for the breath that you draw. That we appreciate him. We love him. And he says, give thanks to the Lord. Call on his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. So Israel, though you're sitting along the banks weeping, stop your weeping. Sing a song. Sing a song of praise. Sing a song of redemption. Sing a song of forgiveness. Sing a song of mercy. Sing a song of his wonderful grace. That those who are unsaved might know the reality of a living God. 
We sing thanks to him and we sing praises to him. We sing of his glory, even in the time of our struggle. Now, if you ever want to see your struggles disappear, start singing his praises. You ever want to see your pain heal, start praising his name. If you ever want to see things begin to straighten out, you just lift up the name of Jesus and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In all things, give thanks. Why? This is God's will for you concerning you, and you're going through it for a moment. Just for a season you're there, but God has made a way of escape. And we thank him, and we praise him. And he says, make him known among the nations. We have people behind us here, in front of us, along the side of us, all here in West Akron that need to know the name of Jesus. They need to know the power of the living God, and we need to sing his songs. People look at us, and we are the example. We are the light. That doesn't mean we don't fall, we don't skin our knees. That don't mean that we're perfect, but we have a song to sing. We have a song of redemption to sing. We have a song of power of a mighty God who is able to deliver. We have a song of grace and of mercy and of love to sing and to give thanks to him who has showered us with his grace and his thanksgiving. He goes on in there. He says, glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and his strengths. Seek his face always. Now, catch verse 5 again. What was not taking place while they were sitting at the banks weeping. Remember the wonders he has done. Remember the wonders he has done. If somebody was to walk up to you and say, what has God done for you? What would you reply? What would you say? Could you begin to tell them? Of all that God has done for you. And say thank you Jesus. That old adage is still true. He didn't have to do it. But he did it. And he did it just for me. He did it just for me. He didn't have to do it. Nobody twisted his arm. He didn't have to do it. I didn't overcome him that would make him do it. But he did it simply out of his love for me. And all I can do is say thank you Jesus. Thank you Jesus. He says, remember the wonders of your God. Remember the great deeds of your God. Remember what God has done from you. And it is God that has done great things in our lives. And we need to recognize it. When you come over to Psalm 106, it says, praise the Lord again. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Does his love endures forever? Can you give testimony that God's love for you endures? See, I've done some ugly things in my life. But God still loves me. And God knows, even in moments of my life, I have not always loved him. So my love goes this way. But God's love is constant, consistent, and he's always there. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. And it says it's an enduring love. No matter what I go through, 
He's there with me. He'll never leave me nor forsake me. Thank you, Jesus. That if I'm at Akron General, thank you, Lord. If I'm at City, thank you, Lord. If I can barely get a breath, thank you, Lord. If I have to use an inhaler, thank you, Lord. If I got to take chemo, thank you, Lord. No matter if my finances are low, thank you, Lord. No matter what it is, I learn to say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. His love endureth forever. But I want you to catch also what he says. Who can proclaim the mighty acts of the Lord? Who can? If the people of God cannot proclaim them, who can? If the one who has been called out of darkness into his marvelous light can't proclaim them, who can? If those who have been washed in his blood can't proclaim them, who can? If those who know what the meaning of Calvary really is, who can? If those who have experienced the resurrected life can't proclaim it, who can? There's only a certain group of people who can really proclaim the wonders of God. And that are those who are of the redeemed. That are those who have been born from above. That are those who have been filled with his spirit. They are the only ones who can really proclaim the wonders of the living God. They're the only ones who can proclaim it. And it says, who can proclaim the mighty acts of God? What are the mighty acts he has done in your life? Has he kept you out of an accident? Has he opened a door for you that nobody else has been able to open? Has he caused your enemies to begin to turn and treat you with kindness? Has he found favor upon you in a situation and gave you favor? Can you proclaim the mighty acts of God in your life and give him thanks? And give him thanks. For he says, who can proclaim? Now come over with me in 107. It's strange how the Holy Spirit puts this together in these few books here. From 105, 106, 107. In the beginning part of these verses. But look what he said. Because he answers now for what is asked in 106 in verse 2. He said, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Saying the same thing, reminding the people again over and over because we are a people who quickly forget how good God is. I don't care what you've been through. You may have been through an abusive situation. Understand, God didn't make puppets. He made men and women who would love him and obey him out of love. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And there are many who will not keep his commandments. And because people will not keep his commandments, other people wind up suffering. And oftentimes when other people wind up suffering, they wind up hurting. They become angry against God and mad at God and even mad at churches and mad at other things. And the thing is this here, God is still good because you're still living and you can recover. And what you think you've lost, it may have been a blessing what God took away from you. And you need to understand that God yet has a future for you. And God wants to show himself mighty in your life. And the psalmist says, 
God is good. It doesn't matter what you've gone through in life. God is good. And he's giving you life, as Paul says, that I might fight a good fight, that I might continue to fight for his glory and for his praise. He's giving you life. And he says, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Now look at verse 2. Remember what was asked over in verse 2 and 106? Who can proclaim the mighty acts of the Lord? Look at the answer in verse 2 and 107. Let the redeemed of the Lord say this. Those he redeemed from the land of the foe. It's only the redeemed that can answer. Of the mighty acts of God. It's only those who have been delivered. Who have been healed. Who have known the power of God in their life. That can tell the story of the mighty acts of God. No one else can tell your story. No one else can tell what God has brought you through. But the question is, will you sit at the banks and weep or will you sing your song of thanksgiving? Which one will you do? Will you give your thanks to others and allow others to know how good God has been to you, what he's done in your life, what he's delivered you through, what pain he brought you through? Even when you thought life was no longer worth living, God gave you life. And you thank him for it. You thank him for it. My life might be raggedy. I never forget that in uh, color purple. Well, old Sealy say, and the man said, you ugly, you this and you that. And Sealy said, I may be ugly, I may be broke, I may be this, I may be, but I'm here. I'm here. And that's only by the grace of God that I'm here that I'm here. And these light afflictions, they only last for a moment. God has a greater thing for me. I'm on my way home. It don't matter what's going on here right now. When I see home, that's what I'm running for. I know that this day is coming to an end and I'm going home. But while I am here, I'll give them all I have. Because recognizing how good he's been to me. As the old folks say, and sometimes you got to get old to really understand the saying. Because at one time when I was young, and David said, I once was young, and now I'm old. But I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor a seed begging for bread. And David understood something a lot of old folks understood. And a lot of young young folks, y'all laugh at us old folks. We know y'all do. See? But that's okay. Because the old folks used to say, Oh, he bought me a mighty long way. And we used to hear him say it every time. He bought me a mighty long way. Well, when you get older, you begin to understand, yeah, he has bought me a mighty long way. And as my aunt used to say, you just keep on the living. You just keep on the living. And one day you'll be saying, he's bought me a mighty long way. He's brought me a mighty long way. And, and he says, only the redeemed can speak of the Lord. Only the redeemed can say it. Now, 
follow with me in 107 for a little bit before we go back. Because remember what was asked in 137? Sing us a song. Sing us a song. A song of redemption. Sing us a song of forgiveness. Sing us a song of the mighty works of your God. Sing us a song. And they would not. I want you to see yourself as a people traveling through a world that is not your home. This is not your eternity. This is not where you're going to stay. You're just passing through. But while you're passing through, leave the message of how good your God is. Leave the message of the redemptive power of your Savior. Leave the message of how God can provide and how God can make a way out of no way. Leave the message of his forgiveness and of his grace. Leave the message with somebody that God is able. Look with me at 107. Look at verse 8 with me. Look what it said again. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love. Then come on down and come over with me into verse 19. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love. Then verse 21. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love. Then on down into verse 31. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love. And each time in between, he gives them room to think. Starting with verse 3, he says, Those he gathered from the land from the east and the west and the north and the south, some wandered in desert wasteland, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty in their lives and bedded away. They, then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way to a city where they could settle. Let them give thanks to the Lord. What did he do? He led them. Are you giving God thanks for leading you, for guiding you, directing you, ordering your steps? Are you saying, thank you, Lord? Or are you just, well, I'm lucky. I'm the captain of my ship. I planned my course. And if you're planning your course, there's a word for you. You're going to be shipwrecked. And he goes on again after he says that thing. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for men. For he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hunger with good things. Some set in darkness and deepest gloom. Prisoners suffering in arms and chains. Are you suffering? Are you in arms? Are you in chains? Are you being held captive by the enemy? And he said, they're suffering. For they had rebelled against the words of God. Have you rebelled against the word of God? Or are you following after the word of God? Are you living out God's word? Or are you in captivity? And oftentimes those who are in captivity never recognize they're in captivity. Oftentimes some people in chains get so used to the chain that they think there's jewelry. And he says, 
For they had rebelled against the words of God and despised the counsel of the Most High. So he subjected them to bitter labor. They stumbled. There was no one to help them. If the Lord doesn't help you, who will? If the Lord's not on your side, who will be? For all will forsake you. I can be called your friend, but some places this friend Larry won't go with you. But I tell you something, there's a God that'll go everywhere with you. The best of friends will leave you at some point. But God will not forsake you. So he subjected them to a bitter labor. They stumbled and there was no one to help. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. And he said, and he saved them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the deepest gloom and broke away the chains. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love. Do you see what all the Lord did? And that give thanks. Each episode, give thanks. But he gives them a list of things to what? Be thankful for. Even when God punishes you, be thankful because he's showing his love, his discipline. He cares for you. He goes again when he picks up in verse 16. For he breaks down gates of bronze and cuts through bars of iron. So because fools through their rebellious ways and suffer affliction because of their iniquity, they loft off food and draw near the gates of death. Then they cry to the Lord their trouble and he saved them from their distress. He sent forth his word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave. Let them give thanks to the Lord. For even when they were hurting and think they were dying and going to the grave, and God stepped in and saved them. He said, give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord. What is God saving you from? What is God delivering you from? What has God done recently in your life that you know if God would not have stepped in, where would you be? Where would you be? If it was not for God's amazing grace and God's amazing hand upon your life, where would you be? And can you say thank you? Lord, I appreciate you turning my steps, Lord. I thank you for changing my mind, God. I thank you for giving me a different picture of this thing, Lord. I thank you for sending so-and-so into my life and speaking words of comfort, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for sending so-and-so who encouraged me, Lord. Lord, I thank you, oh God, that, Lord, you came and you just sat with me. I knew your presence. You didn't say a word, but I knew your presence. And I thank you, Lord. Can you catch that picture? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I remember one time when I was going through the chemo and I was back in the hospital. I hadn't been out of the hospital for 11 days. And I'd been told I couldn't leave the floor by... Francis, a, a young lady who 
went to grade school with me and part of junior high. She caught me down on the main floor, just barely making it, and I, I leaned up against the wall. And Francis asked me, what are you doing down here? I said, I just want to see the sky. I just want to go outside, breathe some fresh air, and see the sky. And she got a wheelchair and took me outside for a moment. And all I could say to her was, thank you. Thank you. There's times in your life that God will send others in. And it may be a very small thing that they do. But we ought to be appreciative and say thank you to them. But I thank God for sending Francis along that day because I couldn't take another step. People, we have become a people who lack the ability to appreciate the kindness of others, the goodness of others, the love of others. And oftentimes Satan takes and he distorts. And what you need to be able to discern, does that person really love me? Does that person really care for me? Does that person really, really have their best interest towards me? And if so, can I say thank you? And thank you, Lord, for that mom. Thank you for that dad. Thank you for that friend. Thank you for that one that you've sent into my life to encourage. Thank you, Lord. Young people, let me share something with you. My mom could slap you every which way. And boy, we'd be down in postkeys and she would say something and we'd get them up and I mean, boy, you thought your lips were glued together. Yeah. But I give thanks for my mom and my dad. You'll never miss them until you're out there on your own. And sometimes you need to just stop and say, thank you, mom. Thank you, dad. Thank you, sister. Thank you, brother. Thank you. You need to just stop and say thank you to the other person. Because I'm going to share something with you. This is a messed up life for Elaine to have to put up with. And I have to say thank you to her for putting up with this life for 47 years. We need to be appreciative but we have become so hardened in heart and sometimes so discouraged and sometimes so hopeless and sometimes we think everybody's out to take advantage of us. Everybody's out to use us. Everybody's out to hurt us. Everybody, and I, and I can't give up an inch. And if I say thank you, if I show any appreciation or gratitude, that's weakness. No, it's not. Because when you can't say thank you to people, you will soon find you're not saying thank you to God. You're not saying thank you to God. Let me remind you again. Here's Israel sitting at the banks 
of the river of Babylon weeping. All because they could not say thank you and remember the goodness of God and all that God has done for them. And he says, give thanks. Come all the way down in 107 in the verse 43 with me. Listen to what he says because there are words of wisdom here. Listen to what he says. Whoever is wise, let him heed these things. Heed what? The things that he just talked about. The things he just went over. And all the things that he talked about here are not always pleasant things. Being in a dry, thirsty land is not a good thing. Being homeless and so is not a good thing. Being in prison or in captivity is not a good thing. But God delivered me. God fed me. God gave me drink. God gave me a home to live in. God brought me out of my prison, out of my captivity. God did something. And all he is saying at the end is simply this here. Give thanks. Let us give thanks. Not asking for a lot. To give thanks. Whoever is wise, let him heed these things. And consider. Consider what? Consider the great love the Lord has. Consider how God loves you. Don't take that for chance. That God loves you so much that he was willing to give up his son for you. He was willing to allow Christ to suffer for you. He was willing to allow Christ to bleed for you. He was willing to allow his son to be embarrassed by those who rejected him, spit upon him, beat him, all for your sake and my sake. Could you really describe, and I can't do it. I can use my imagination. I can use my thought life, my dream life. But I cannot even begin to fathom how much God loves me. How much does God really love you? Does he love you more than the deepest ocean? Elaine and I used to say we love each other more than a bushelful. Can you picture how much God loves you? And can you say thank you, Lord? Thank you for that love. Thank you for loving me. We understand what Paul says. I am the chief of sinners. I'm unworthy to even be called into such a great love. Any man who has a wife that really loves him knows he does not deserve it. Any man who is really loved by his wife knows he doesn't deserve it. Because men, we do put them through some things, don't we? They have to say that so fast. (laughs) 
But the thing is, we know it, don't we? And children who are loved by their parents, that have parents that stand by them no matter what goes on in their life, they'll never find another love like that. They'll never find another love of a love of a parent that does for them, that's there for them, that ministers to them. And what hurts is when the parent loves and the children don't what? Appreciate or show appreciation or let it be known. And just like we can hurt, we hurt God because sometimes we don't let it what? Be known. He said, those who are wise, let him heed these things and consider the great love of the Lord. Let's go back to Psalms 137. Let's finish up. I hope we can put some of this in our hearts. Yes, this is Israel. Yes, this is what Israel is going through. Yes, this is what the heathen, the unsaved is saying. Sing us a song. And when they ask us for a song, the Lord tells us, always be ready to give an answer to those who ask you of the hope that lieth in you. The goodness of the Lord and what Jesus has done for us. He comes and he says, how can we sing the song in verse 4 of the Lord while in a foreign land? We sing it because we remember his goodness unto us. We sing it because we know of his love for us. We sing it because we know this is just for a moment. This is not for eternity. We know we're just passing through it. So we sing his praises and we give thanks to him in a strange land, in a hurting time in a time that sometimes causes us to weep, but yet in the weeping we know joy will come in the morning if we just praise his name. And he goes on, he said, if I forget you, O Jerusalem, and understand what Jerusalem meant, this was the place that God has chosen in a sense to place himself, that his people would identify with him. This is the place where he would be worshipped. This is his place that he chose. To put his name. This was the whole centerpiece of worship for a Jew. And he said, if I forget you, O Jerusalem, may my right hand forget its skill. In the Hebrew it is, may it forget its slap. Or its ability to slap. And he says, may I forget that before I forget you, oh God. May I forget the ability or the skills I have to use my right hand before I forget you. And he goes on and he says, may my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth if I do not remember you, if I do not consider Jerusalem my highest joy. Lord, if I do not see you as my highest, if you are not the love of my life, 
if you are not the first in my life, if you're not the most important in my life, Lord, may my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. Can we sing his praises or thanks? Yes. Can we sing his grace? Yes. Can we sing of his forgiveness? Yes. Can we sing of his mighty deeds? Yes. Why? Because you and I are of the redeemed. You and I are of the saved. Who can proclaim the mighty acts of God? Those who are redeemed. And he says, let the redeemed say so. And during this Thanksgiving season, you need to let your family, your cheerlings, your aunts, your uncles, your neighbors, everybody know that you thank God for where you are in this station of life at this time. How many of you have God brought back from the brink of destruction? How many of you have God restored? How many of you have God just blessed your household, has provided for your household? You know no lack in your household, and you just thank him, and you praise him. And how many of us are past our three score and ten and living, as we say, on borrowed time? Can we thank him? And can we praise him for allowing our end part of our life to be greater than our early part of our life. Can we praise him for restoring what the locusts have destroyed? Can we praise him for just watching over us day and night? We ought to be a people who are constantly saying from our lips and from our hearts, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you for a day of thanksgiving. But as it has been said many times before, for every Christian, every day is a day of thanksgiving. And Lord, we just give you praise and we give you honor for allowing us to have the privilege to reflect upon the great things that you have done personally in our lives. For we're not worthy, O oh God, that you would intercede in our lives, that, Lord, you would intervene in our life, that, Lord, that you would be our divine protector, that you would set your angels about us, that you would put a hedge about us, O oh God, and that, Lord, you would give your Holy Spirit to minister to us. Lord, we're not worthy, but, O oh God, we thank you that you've done it all, that you've done it. Help us to respond appropriately to it, Help us not to quench your spirit, but to learn to yield to your spirit. And help us to be able to say, thank you, Lord, for your direction in our lives. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for those little things in life of just turning on the lights, turning on the water, turning the car on. Thank you for the job that sometimes I even complain about. Thank you for that job that provides, oh God. Thank you for the health that you've given 
And Lord, we know that there's been better days in health, but oh God, we're here and we're here because you have allowed it to be so. And Lord, we thank you. Some of us have been on the operating table. Some of us know what it is to have a stroke. Some of us know what it is to have had a heart attack. Some of us know what it is to be near death. Some of us know, but Lord, you gave us life. And Lord, we thank you. And some of us in this room have gone through pains in life. We've gone through divorces. We've gone through heartaches. We've gone through financial trouble. We've gone through the deliverance of alcohol, of drugs. We've gone through the whole thing of being on skid road. But Lord, we thank you for where we are today. Thank you for delivering us. Thank you for restoring us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for holding us in your arms. Thank you for carrying us along the way. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Now, Lord, continue to minister to us.